So I promised myself that I would not say anything about Duke beating Carolina or them winning the ACC tournament this weekend, so I won't. And instead, I'll start by asking you to be honest with me, because I'm sure some of you won't, but raise your hand if you have ever been fired from a job. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Some of you are owning it. Some of you are like, should I raise my hand? Yes, I know some of more of you have been fired. You didn't admit it, but that's okay. Um, I got fired one time when I think it was, gosh, I think it was right after we graduated college. Um, we were with a church plan. I was working on my master's degree and working part-time somewhere, all these sorts of things. And I got a job with one of the guys at our church. He uh, owned a cleaning company. And so he hired me to, to clean three banks on Monday and Thursday nights, I think it was. So I would go after they closed, and I would clean the banks twice a week and go home. And it was boring and monotonous, but it was money, so I was like, sure, I'll do it. And uh, what I wasn't told is that you're supposed to be good at cleaning things uh, if you take a cleaning job. And so <clears throat> I, a couple of times when I went out of town, I wasn't able to clean. He had to do it for me, and I think it was like two or three times. And every time he cleaned, one or multiple of the banks would tell him the next day, hey, thank you. That was a really good job you did. Apparently, he did. I don't know how he did better than me, but he did at some point. And so eventually, after the third time, he said, hey, we need to meet. And he said, Dylan, pretty much, you're fired. And uh, I guess, apparently, again, nobody told me before I took a job of cleaning banks, you have to be good at cleaning. So that is my defense. But apparently, I didn't do a good enough job cleaning and taking out trash and vacuuming. And Christina would say, some things still have not changed. Um, but here's the deal, right? I got fired, and the likelihood is you got fired. We often get let go because our boss or our manager uh, probably couldn't trust us to do something that they wanted us to do. Maybe we had a bad attitude. Maybe we stole money. I don't know. Maybe we just didn't do our jobs well. But typically, we get fired because we've been in, when you're hired, you're entrusted to do a job. And if you're not doing it the way that they want it to be done, uh, you might be let go. And so that is what happened to me. And why do I share that story is because today we're going to look at what does it look like for us to be faithful where God has us. Uh, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If not, there's a Bible around it you can take and open up there. Uh, to give you to catch up to speed where we are this morning, last week, if you were here, uh, Paul talked about who wrote the book of 1 Corinthians uh, to the church in Corinth, which is in modern day Greece. Uh, he wrote and he said that basically that you and I are to pursue God because that is where wisdom is found. And we talked about how wisdom is often more about doing what is right than knowing what is right or doing what you know is right. And if you want to grow in wisdom, the first step is choosing to follow Jesus and choosing to do what you know is right. And then that will help you grow closer to God. That'll help you grow. That'll help you be a wise person by simply doing what you know is right. And Paul gave this example uh, to the Corinthian church. And if you've been here for this series, you know we've talked about this a few weeks. But basically, a lot of the problems that they were running into were based on the fact uh, that they were pledging their allegiance to people, the Christian like Paul or Peter or Paulus, different Christian leaders, as opposed to Jesus. And so there are all these divisions and arguments were taking place based off who they followed instead of uniting under Jesus, who's the point of all of this anyway. And Paul is basically telling them, don't do that. The wise thing is to follow Jesus, not to pledge your allegiance to people. And with that in mind, he says this, uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. He says, a person should think of us in this way. So again, he's talking about himself. He's talking about other Corinthian leaders, the church leaders, instead of thinking of them as better people. He says, you you should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. And so Paul, Apollos, Peter, and any one of them or us, by extension, if you are a follower of Christ, uh, God is simply saying that you and I are servants. No one's better than anyone else. No one should be elevated higher than anybody else. We are simply followers of Jesus, doing what God has called us to do. And because of that, here's what he says in verse 2. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. 
So what he's saying there is that as the leaders of the Corinthian church, and by extension, anyone who's followers of Jesus, that God has placed you somewhere in some season, in some place, and he's asking you simply to be faithful where you are. Are. He's asked you to, he's entrusted you with certain things and asked you to be faithful to them. Now, this analogy of kind of uh, stewardship or uh, managers or faithfulness would have hit home even more so for them uh, than for us because we have managers and things today, but it was different back then because the owners or the masters of the, of the business or the affairs of the household, uh, they didn't have the technology that we have, right? There was no cell phones, there was no texting, there was no email, there was no cars, right? And so whenever they would leave, sometimes for days, weeks, or months at a time, time, uh, the, the manager or the steward was entrusted with doing everything that was in the best interest, interest of the owner and manager. And because of that, the highest quality that someone needed to possess to be a manager or to be a steward was to be faithful or was to be trustworthy. Because when the owner or the master was gone, that manager could do whatever they wanted. They had full autonomy to do whatever they wanted on behalf of the owner or behalf of uh, the master. And so the, they needed to be found faithful. Well, that, what Paul is saying to them and to us is that you and I need to do uh, the same things, that God has entrusted us to do certain things. And so we are supposed to live for his faith and not for other people. And so here's what I want us to know this morning uh, as we look at this text, and that's this, that you are God's steward, right? Paul, Apollos, Peter, these Corinthian leaders, they were God's stewards in certain spheres, and God has you in your life to do certain things, and you are God's steward. Now, this could evoke one of two emotions in you. Uh, one, it could maybe evoke uh, maybe fear of getting it wrong. Uh, maybe, you know, we have this idea of like God's will for my life, and if I make one bad decision, then I can mess it all up. And so maybe this is fear of like, well, if God has something for me to do, and I do it wrong, or if I don't follow the right path, and I mess it all up, then that can get me kind of scared, kind of fearful, right? Or uh, the positive emotion, which I think is what Paul, what God wants us to feel, is not to feel scared that we might blow it, but instead that this would give us a sense of purpose and urgency in our life, knowing that God has you where he has you to be faithful where you are. It's kind of like this. Like if you've ever been uh, like promoted or anything at work or in a job, oftentimes when someone gives you extra responsibility, typically it gives you some more ownership. It gives you some more purpose. And that is my hope that when you find, when you hear that you are God's steward, and I don't know steward's like a super churchy word, but it's the best definition, but basically saying that God has entrusted us with things, that it would give you a desire to want to be faithful knowing that you matter and you have a role to play. It reminds me of uh, a couple years before we launched New City Church, I worked at Verizon for a few years, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And the reason why I hated it is someone who is like super competitive and wants to win and all these sorts of things, um, every month I would often find myself in the bottom third of the sales goals. And for two reasons, okay? I promise there's good reasons. Uh, One is because I was not going to be shady or lie to customers. So like if we had promotions and things going on, I wouldn't say, you have to get this, but you also have to get, like, I would just be honest, like, here's what it is, here's what we offer you, and because I didn't do that, like some other people, they would, they would sell a bunch of stuff because they were not fully honest, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to be honest, and the other thing that was hard for me is that I value, it's not just that I value uh, financial stewardship, but I, but I don't want people to buy stuff that they can't afford, and because I worked there and people had to apply for things, like, I, oftentimes I could see their credit in some, in some senses, and I'm like, I know you can't afford this. And so I'm not going to sell this to you, right? And my coworkers are like, well, I don't care. It's an extra like 10 bucks for me. And so I'm going to do it. But I wouldn't do that, right? I wasn't shady. And I wasn't going to sell people things they didn't, they didn't need, right? I, I couldn't get down with that. And so I never performed very well. And I hated it. It made me so mad. But 
The good news was is that my coworkers and my bosses and my managers knew that they could trust me, uh, knew that you know, I tried to do the right thing. And so what eventually happened was, although my sales weren't great, my, my managers eventually, because sometimes they were lazy and they would either want to sit in the back or they would like, there was this pizza place next to us and they would just go and like hang out. They gave me all of their passwords. <laughs> And so what that means was there were certain things that you could only do with managerial approval. Like you remember two-year contracts used to be a big thing. So sometimes people would come in and their phone would break before two-year was up. And so we would allow them to upgrade early, like as long as they bought something else. I'm letting you in the inside scoop here, right? And so, and so that's what happened. The people would come to me because the managers were nowhere to be found. Like, Dylan, I need approval for this, right? And so they trusted me. And so my job was to be faithful with the extra responsibility that they should not have given me, right? <laughs> but good news for them is that I never used the password for my own benefit, okay? Uh, unless I wanted to, and, uh, and then I did. But other than that, I was good, right? I, w- I was good, right? So they were, I, was supposed to be, I was supposed to be faithful, and that's what I want us to know here this morning, is that that was what God is calling us to do. He's simply calling us to be faithful where we are. You are God's steward, which means God has something for you to do. And so because of that, here's what Paul says as he continues in verse 3. Um, we're supposed to be faithful, and so it is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. So because my role is to be faithful to God and not you, then I'm not going to live my life based on what other people might say or think about me. Now, here's the thing. Paul is not trying to be arrogant here. He's not trying to say, I don't care about people. I'm not care about what they think. But his point is simply this, that only the master, right, only the owner can, uh, can judge the faithfulness of a steward. So God is the only one that actually can know if we're actually being faithful, right? It's the same way that truly kind of the saying that everyone says that God is the only one that can judge us. And so because of that, we want to be faithful to him and not to other things or to other people. And here's why. Here's why you and I need to know that you and I are God's steward. It's because of this, because knowing who you are living for changes how you live. Right? Knowing who you are living for changes how you live. I mean, think about decisions. Think about decisions that you've made in the past that maybe were not wise. Uh, maybe they were selfish decisions or greedy decisions or trying to get a bunch of look a certain way on social media. Like every time we make poor decisions, it's often because who we're living for ourselves or living for something in the moment and it drove our behavior. So the problem is we don't need to focus so much on our behavior as we need to focus in on our identity. And if we identify and follow Jesus, that will change the way we live. So knowing who you are living for changes how you live. It allows you to focus on the right things, which will drive your behavior. And what's happening here, what what is likely happening here, part of the reason why uh, some people may have preferred and attached themselves to maybe, let's say, Peter or Apollos or another leader instead of Paul, is because here's what we know about Paul. He was extremely smart, and he was a great leader, but he may not have been a great a public speaker as some of these other guys. And back then in that culture, um, oratory skill was a high, high value. And so people would kind of disparage Paul's speaking ability and assume because he wasn't as maybe gifted uh, as a public speaker as others, that he wasn't as faithful is others. And what Paul is saying here is, I'm to be faithful to God, not, not to what you think or what your measure or what your standard of faithfulness is. My standard of faithfulness is doing what God has called me to do. And if some people are going to judge me for that, even though nobody likes to be judged, I'm not going to let that impact me. I'm going to be faithful to the one that I'm called to be faithful to, to the one who's actually entrusted me for trusted in me things to do, which is why Paul says this in Galatians chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. He says this, uh, for, I, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so the question for us is this, is how do we get to a place 
like Paul is saying, like, how do we get to a place where we are faithful and honoring Jesus and God in our life and making that a biggest priority over other things? Here's how. By remembering, again, remembering who you live for, because who you live for changes how you live. Let me give you uh, an example of how this has played out for me recently. As you know, if you've been coming to New City uh, this year, that we're doing this thing called our Just One campaign, and I've talked about it before, but the, the, the heart behind it is that we want to be intentional. All of us want to be intentional, loving, praying for, inviting for, investing, maybe just one person. And if we do that, uh, a couple things will happen. If all of us did that, our goal is by the end of the year, we would love to see 250 people every weekend hearing and experiencing the gospel at New City Church. Now, as I've shared before, I was used to be a little hesitant about sharing our desire to reach more people. And this changed for me back in January when I remembered who I was actually living for. As I've shared before, my friend, who I've known since I was four years old, I've prayed for since I was 13, uh, prayed for every single day since I was in college, doesn't know Jesus, that he would see and, and embrace the goodness and the gospel and the grace of Jesus in his life. Uh, he was texting me that they, were, they don't live in the Raleigh area, that they were going to be moving back to the, the Raleigh area likely uh, this year at some point. And I was really excited about it. I was like, man, we're going to be able to spend more time together and be, be able to invest in this relationship. And then he texts me in January and basically says, uh, my wife applied to one job in Los Angeles and she got it. And so we're actually moving out there instead. Right? And for me, it was, it was kind of difficult because I was like, man, he was going to be here. And, and not that it was going to change his life right away, but I was like, at least I could have more of an impact than the random text or calls that we have like once or twice a year. right? And so then what happened for me is my mindset shifted. Instead of praying for him in Atlanta, now I'm praying for him in Los Angeles and praying that somebody would befriend him, that he would find a church, be invited to a church that would help him meet Jesus and grow in a relationship with him. And so that is kind of what birthed this whole thing. Instead of worrying about, man, are they doing this so that they can just say they're growing or to make New City look good or to make Dylan look good. No, that, that was my fear of not being faithful to what God has called us and called me to do. Now, here's the thing. I could totally be lying to you about that. Like, I could totally be like, we just want to grow so make myself feel good. Like, I could be, right? But this goes back to what Paul is saying, too, that God is calling us to be faithful. And my hope, my hope for myself and for you is that we would be faithful wherever God has us, that we would not be afraid to do whatever God has called us to do. And the only way we can get to that spot is that if we put our faithfulness to him, if we live for him over other people. And as a side note, somebody was asking me this week, they said, Dylan, at the end of the year, let's say we were at 225 or 200 and don't hit that goal of 250. Will you be upset? And here's what I said. Here's reality. I want you to hear me as we talk about this. I don't care about the number. I, I do not care about the number. What I care about is people seeing Jesus. And what I said, I said, even if just one person comes to New City because we decided to be more intentional with our lives, that to me is the win. The win is people seeing Jesus, not us like hitting some number, which would be great and it'd be great to celebrate, but we want people to see Jesus. We want to remember who we were living for so that will change the way we live. This is how Paul's able to get here to say, I'm not going to worry about people judging me in a negative or a critical sense because I'm not living for them. I'm living for God. And so if we continue again, I want to read that being said, uh, verse three again. And again, Paul says this, it is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. And again, Paul is not being flippant here. He's not trying to be arrogant. He's simply saying this, that only God can judge me. Now, this is a phrase in our culture today 
that we kind of use to kind of do whatever we want, if we're being honest. So I want to be clear about something, that when we say only God should judge us, instead of giving us an excuse to do whatever we want, that actually should weigh on us a bit, right? Because God not only judges your actions, but he actually knows your motivations. And so what matters is what God thinks. And if I'm just being honest, here's my experience, that we often play the only God can judge me card as an, as an excuse not to be faithful to what God has called us to do. Oftentimes we say only God can judge me, and we say that to other people because we know we're doing something that is not good for us, that does not honor Jesus. And so I just want us to be clear, when we talk about this idea of being faithful to God, that should weigh on us a bit, that should uh, align us to actually do good and right things. And even when we blow it, like we will fall short, but we don't, I don't want us to use this as an excuse to do whatever we want. I want us to use it as Paul does to say, I'm going to do the best that I can to love God because he is the one that I'm actually trying to be faithful towards. And so because of that, he continues this. And here's what I find interesting. He says, not only is he not going to concern himself with what, with what other people think, he then says this, the next part of verse 3, in fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. And so what Paul is saying here is that not only does he not value other people's judgments on them, on himself, but he doesn't even value his own. Now, this is not like being super thick skin and not caring. Instead, this is him just being honest that not only can we not judge other people accurately because we don't know their story, we don't know their motivations, but we can't even judge ourselves because everything we do, we justify, right? We justify everything we do to make it seem like it's okay, even if it's not. Like I've shared this before when I was growing up, you know, I had, we had an allowance and we had like these folders where we put the, the money and all that sort of thing. When I was in middle school, I'm not someone that ever spends a lot of money. Um, when I was in middle school, for whatever reason, we had this like Rudino's pizza place near our house. And we went there that, that one, one summer, we went there like every day for lunch. And so all of a sudden I find myself out of money and I'm like, what do I do with this? And so what I did was we had this little tithe part in the folder in the back. Um, and so I started using my tithe money to buy my pizza, which is like not smart. But what did I do to myself? Even knowing that like it's not the best thing, what did I say? I, I justified it by saying, but at least I'm not getting into trouble. I'm not doing anything stupid. I'm just buying some pizza, right? And so that was my justification to do what I should not have been doing and to make it even better. Once my dad found out that there was no money back there, he's like, what happened? I said, I gave it to the church. I already gave it. And he's like, next time, tell me. So I lied about it, made it even worse. Right, but here's the thing. But I was a lot lighter on myself than I would be of someone else because we can't even judge ourselves correctly. Or give you one more example. Um, I go to the YMCA a few times a week to work out, which is like that's how I got to be like this, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I go during the week, I go early before work by myself. It's fine. And on, but on Fridays, I go later. Uh, I, uh, I, I, Fridays, I stay home, watch the kids. So Christina, who works from home, gets some work done. So I take them normally about 10 o'clock. And you, you have two hours of child care whenever you go to the YMCA, so I work out for an hour, and then I, I do some work for an hour. But on Fridays, I go a little bit later than normal, and every Friday this year, except for this past Friday, it has been cold, and it has been raining. And you're like, why does that matter? Because I go later on Fridays, all the parking spots that are close are taken, like all of them. The parking is terrible there, if you're listening to fix it, and it's terrible there, <laughs> right? And so, but on Fridays, because it's because I go later, I'm always parking in the very, like there is not a single spot open. It's always in the very back. And so it's cold and it's raining. I'm trying to get both kids out, uh, get the stroller, get the diaper bag, get my gym bag, get all these things. And so like we're trying to go inside and, uh, and you got to go like two miles an hour because it's awful, right? And every single time without fail, right as we're about to get to the building, there is an open spot always, just right there. And to make it worse, somebody comes and gets it who's driving in the car by himself when all they have to bring in is their cell phone. I'm like, can you not, like, I should park there and you should park there and I get, like, all bitter. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting about this. 
When I go on the other days of the week, Monday, Wednesday, whenever else I go, you know what I don't think? I never think I should park in the back of the parking lot in case someone with kids should park, needs to park closer. I never think that. Now, why is that important? Even as I'm like preparing this message this week, I still didn't think it. And I'm like, oh, it's in my notes. I got to, or that's my story. I got to make sure I say this correctly, right? I didn't think it. Why? Because we are always only thinking about ourselves. Like, even when we say, I'm a really good person, I'm not saying, like, that's terrible. Like, we're just, we're looking out for ourselves. And so there, it's so easy for us not only to justify things that are wrong, but to not do things that are right because we're just thinking about ourselves. And so when Paul says that he can't even judge himself, that's an accurate statement that we can't judge others. We can't even judge ourselves. And if we put it another way, you could say it like this that you are no better at judging yourself than you are at judging others. You don't judge yourself accurately. You're way too lenient. You allow yourself to get away with all sorts of stuff that you and I would not allow other people to get away with. And you can't even judge others accurately because you don't know their story. You don't know their motivation. You don't know everything as to why they made a decision the way that they did. And so here's what we need to do. If this is true, that we can't judge others accurately, we can't even judge ourselves accurately, here's what we need to do instead that you and I need to focus on our faithfulness, that you need to focus on your faithfulness, not what everyone else is doing, but yourself. Now, here's the thing about this. I, I, I think what's tricky when we talk about being faithful or talk about following God's will in our life, I think a lot of times we get nervous or we think it's like a future thing, like next year or when I graduate or when I get this job or when I have these kids or when the kids move out or when I move here. Like, we always, we're always focusing on the next thing. And what I want us to do this morning is focus on here and now. Like, where does God have you now? Like, where does he have you working or in school or in season of life? Like, where does God have you now? And what does it look like for you to be faithful tomorrow? What does it look like for you to be faithful tomorrow? Because God has you where you are for a reason that you may not know or understand, but he's asking you to be faithful to honor and love him where you are. And so instead of focusing on other people, we need to focus on what God has for us. God has for us. And here's the thing about this is also is that it takes a lot of the weight off. Because I think so often we're looking at other people and what they're doing and thinking, oh, well, I don't have their gifting or their ability or their finances. I don't have anything that they do. And so I must, I can't do, I can't do the things that they're doing. And what we need to understand is that God has not asked you to do what they're doing. He's asked you to do what you're doing. He has you and your situation and your season of life for a reason. So we need to focus on our faithfulness, not, not other people. And here's why. Here's what Paul says in verse 5. Here's when we do this, we won't do what Paul doesn't tell us to do here, if that makes sense. Here's what he says. He says, so don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will reveal the intentions of the heart. And then praise will come to each one from God. What he's saying here is that all of our judgments are premature. Like we don't know whatever we don't know about other people's motivations. Oftentimes we justify our own motivations. We don't know everything there is to know. And so we should not judge other people because that is not our job. It is God's job because what he's saying here is that God will, like this will happen, one day bring everything to light when we stand before Jesus. He will bring everything to light, not only not only our actions, but our motivations as well. Because he knows everything and we do not. So we don't need to concern ourselves with judging other people. Now, I want to be clear about something real quick. When we're talking about judgment, we're talking about judging people, uh, not actions. Or to put it a different way, Paul is saying here that we're supposed to focus on our faithfulness and not judge others. But what he's not saying is that judgment is always wrong. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which we'll read in a couple of weeks, 
he's pronouncing a judgment on the Corinthian church. And in chapter 6, he pronounces another judgment. In fact, in, in Corinthians chapter 3, if you were here a few weeks ago, what is, he was frustrated that the Corinthians were not growing spiritually, right? Because they, they hadn't done anything in their life to actually grow closer to Jesus. So that is, in some cases, it is a judgment. The difference here is that we're not judging people, we're judging, uh, judging actions or circumstances. So when we, when we go to someone, or someone goes to you out of love and care for and respect out of something that's going on in your life or someone else's life. Paul is not saying that we should avoid these things. He's not saying that we should pretend they don't happen. What he's saying is that we should speak to the, to the action and what's going on, not the person. So we don't denigrate people. We don't look down at people. We don't say, how dare you? I can't believe you're doing this thing. You must not love Jesus enough, or you must not be a good person. Paul is not, that's what Paul is saying here, is that we don't do that. We want things to do good. We want right to happen in the world. We want to see justice. We want to see, uh, we want the good of our friends and our families. Like we want to see them doing healthy things and having good behavior. So yes, we should speak to situations, but we should not judge and condemn people because that is not our Role. And here's how we ultimately do this, right? Here's how we ultimately do this. And here's why we need to focus on our faithfulness and other people. is because of this. When we become, we become far less focused on other people when we focus on our faithfulness. So if you want to judge less, if you want to do what Paul is saying here, again, focus on what God has for you to do instead of what you think he has for other people to do. So again, if you have been here recently when we went through 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we talked about a few things. Like one of the things we talked about was picking one habit, one daily habit to grow in so that we can grow spiritually. We said maybe reading one Bible verse a day or praying for one thing a day or writing one thing you're grateful for or doing all these, doing a simple habit in your life uh, to do something that'll help you grow closer to Jesus. Or the week following, we, we talked about doing one thing, committing to do one thing over the next six months to help build God's kingdom. And some of, some of you said, you know, you were going to invite one person a week or a month, or you are going to pray for somebody, or you are going to give more generously. Like you and I, we're going we're to commit to building up God's kingdom in some way, in our small way. And if you're doing those things, you won't have time to focus on what you perceive as the late lack of faithfulness from others, right? So again, we become far less focused on other people when we focus on our faithfulness. That's what Paul is trying to tell us to do. Focus on your faithfulness, what God has called you to do. And here's why we need to do this. Ultimately, here's why we need to focus on our faithfulness, because you can't be faithful over things that aren't yours. You can't be faithful over things that aren't yours. Here, here's the thing when it comes to judging others. I would say this. I, I think our motivations or are, are the reason why we can be so judgmental for others actually points to the fact that God has created us and God has created in us a sense of justice, right? Uh, that oftentimes we judge people, and it's not, maybe not so much because we want to judge the person per se, but because we see something wrong and we want to see it be right. Now, again, we're a lot more critical on others than ourselves, but I think it points towards this desire to see everyone, to see us actually doing the right thing. I think it's a good, it's a good desire that has gone bad, right? And so what Paul is saying here is simply this, that to take some of the pressure off of you, you need to know you can't be faithful over things that aren't yours anyway, so you need to focus on where God has you. And so let me give you an example of what this looks like. Uh, Christine and I have two kids, a four-year-old daughter named Finley and a one-year-old uh, son named Roman. And uh, as you can expect, when you get pregnant, you have to actually deliver the baby. And so, uh, you know, when Christina, for both of the pregnancies, more so for the first, but there was, there was, it was a little tense at one point, you know, things were getting a little complicated, but things ended up being okay for both. But when we go to the hospital and Christina goes in labor, we both have different roles to play. She has to like breathe and get through it. And I have to support her and watch Netflix, right? We have different things. 
that we have to do, right? And here's the thing. I cannot give, the, I cannot give birth. Like, there, there's nothing in me that can give birth to a baby. And so, like, I can be frustra- frustrated about that fact or just know that, like, that is not my job. In fact, as a side note, when I was a kid, when I was, like, six or seven, I literally thought this. I thought that I am glad that I am not a girl because that means when I get older, I don't have to be pregnant and give birth. Like, that is literally what I was thinking. I don't know why, right? But so I could not be faithful. And then, then of course, the labor comes or the, the baby comes, and so Christina starts to, have, starts to push, right? And so at that point... We have two roles to play. She has to deliver the baby, and I have to not pass out, right? And so we're both doing our jobs, right? And then after the fact, the baby comes, and everyone's like asking Christina, like, how'd it go? You did great. You look beautiful. And I'm like, hello, I survived too. Where's my, right? We both did our thing. Like, I did not pass out, and she had the baby. I think that's equal. We both did what we're supposed to, we're supposed to do, right? We're both, both faithful, right? That's the thing, right? This, <laughs> I share that. I'll bring it in, Dylan. Here's why I share this is that you can't be faithful over things that aren't. You can be frustrated. You could wish you were in another situation. You could wish things were differently for you, but they're not. And so the question is, how can you be faithful where you are? And, you know, continuing with this example, like, what do you do when the baby comes home? Like, the first few days, you can't really rest because he's like, he, he or she's like screaming all the time. But you're trying to adjust. You know, Christina's trying to, you know, recuperate and recover a little bit, and I'm there trying to serve her, but even more importantly, making sure that the meals that are delivered at our house are the, from the restaurants that I like and that my Jersey Mike's order is correct, right? And so we've got different things to be faithful over. Like, I, you know, I could be upset that she's the one that's got to, you know, recover physically, and she could be upset that I'm the one that's ordering the Jersey Mike's, but like, that's just what it is, right? And so you got to be, and you know, and now tonight I'm going to sleep on the couch for, your, for you guys, so if I, I'm just trying to make this relevant for you. But again, that's the point is simply this that you can't be faithful over things that aren't yours. And I think this is where it trips most of us up, is that we're focused or we get frustrated or we see other people and we're not in their situation and we feel like we can't do the things that they do. We don't have the money, the finances, the prestige, the power, the whatever. And so we get distracted and we don't do what God has called us to do where God has placed us. And so here's the bottom line. Here's what I want us to learn from this passage this morning. And this is kind of a different way of saying what we said earlier, but it's worth repeating because it's so true. And that's this, that how you live is determined by who you live for. If you want to change, I mean, if you could take the Christian thing out of it, if you want to change behaviors in your life, the first thing you do is not change your behavior, but it's change your identity. This is why I think Jesus often tells us to to take up our cross, to follow him, to find ourself in him, because that will ultimately change what you do. And following Jesus is not behavior modification. It's not doing all the right things so God will love us more. It's simply following him because he's giving us grace, forgiveness, and mercy. And so if you want to see change in your life, you've got to ask yourself, who am I living for? Because the answer to that question is one of two things. It's either God or it's yourself. You're either living for God and who he is, and I don't mean this in like a judgmental condemnation thing. It's just the reality. Or you can live for yourself, for your money, for your, your, the way your image on social media or having your kids behave the right way or your career. Like You can live for God or you can live for yourself, and that will play out. And the, the actions and the behaviors that you have will come from where you find your identity, from, where, from who or what you are living for. And just as a side note, like just to be honest about this thing, like if we live for ourselves, that ultimately means that you and I have no purpose. Like nobody, a hundred years from now, nobody's going to know who you are. Or let's even make it further. Don't they say at some point like the sun is supposed to explode, right? So let's say Jesus, <laughs> let's say Jesus gets his timing wrong. It doesn't come back before that happens. I'm just kidding. Don't. That's not going to happen. But let's whatever. Just go with it. Like, well, at one point, none of this is going to matter. If you take God out of the equation, what you've done, who you've, how you've treated people, the decisions that you've made, even the good you've tried to do, does not 
matter. It is all for nothing because one day this will all be gone. But if God exists and he loves you the way that we have seen in Scripture, that he came and gave his life for you, here's what this means. This means that you are intrinsically valuable, that you matter beyond anything that you could ever think or imagine, that God loves you, that he desires, for, desires good for you, uh, that what you do now has effects for all of eternity. Again, if God exists and he loves you, then what this means is that you matter, what you do matter. And so what we want to do is we want to lean into God. And this is what makes the gospel so sweet, that sometimes we talk about honoring Jesus and following Jesus. Jesus, and it can feel heavy, right? Because all of us fall short, all of us blow it, all of us sin, all of us do things that we don't want to do, and the grace and the mercy of God is that this is why Jesus came, because he knew that this would happen, and that Jesus loves us not when we get our life together, but he came while we were still sinners, that he takes the first step towards us, we don't take the first step towards him. And when we recognize who he is, the grace and the mercy and the love that he has given for us, we follow him with our lives, again, not to earn something, not to pat ourselves on the back, not to check a box, but because we want him for who he is and we want other people to experience the grace and the mercy and the love and the power of God that we've experienced. And so again, how you live is determined by who you live for. The question is, who is it? Is it God or is it you? And as you follow Jesus, again, we will fall short, we will blow it, but there is grace and mercy for us. If you want to see change happen, you got to follow God, not yourself. We got to lean into who he is and his goodness and know that even when we fall short, that there is great, there is grace for us and there is goodness for us and that God loves you even in the midst of the difficulties of life, even in the midst of things not going the way you want them to go. And again, our role is simply to be faithful. Wherever God has us, wherever God has you, whatever Monday morning looks like to you, the question is, how can I be faithful in this place? And if I choose to follow God, it'll allow me to walk in the faithfulness no matter what life throws at me. So let's pray.